Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Gym Class All-Stars. It is Tuesday, January 23rd for us recording now. It's the winter. Phoenix had rain. Buffalo is now out of a snowstorm. A lot of weather elements, some surprising like just water in Phoenix. <laughs> Snow in Buffalo is not surprising. But... We are in the thick of things in sports. Personally, my favorite time of the year, minus, of course, the weather, but just playoff football. It's what I've been spending, so man, like five months watching football, watching all the heartbreak for. And it, it's here. We had covered kind of a recap, sort of just recap of the end of the season, get into playoff predictions last time we recorded. And now, at this point, while we're recording, we are at the championship games. Those are set, but a lot has gone down. A lot of emotions, a lot of events, a lot of great games. I want to start talking about the wild card, just kind of paint with a broad brush. For the most part, these games were not close. There's a few exceptions, but I want to start quickly and kind of cover this. And they'll get in the divisional round, which is a lot more pressing, a lot more relevance. But um, the start of the slate brought us Young Gun versus Old Gun. <laughs> Robbie, last episode <laughs> in the podcast, said some cancelable things about Joe Flacco and what he would Choice do to CJ Stroud. Choice words. But funny enough, it was actually the Texans who beat the Browns. Not only beat them, like, pummeled them it was really a coming out party not only for cj stroud but just the texans defense in general they looked incredible they had two pick sixes they it really seemed like the entire play calling of cleveland's offense was throwing screen passes that was the only thing that kind of worked and then young gun cj stroud who the panthers wish they drafted lit up cleveland's defense looked phenomenal, I think had a perfect passer rating. And the last year's second overall pick is on their way to the divisional round. They looked excellent. Uh, any more thoughts about Texans or Browns? Yes, yes, I'll be I'll be brief, I promise. First of all, shout out to D'Amico Ryan's first year head coach getting a huge, huge win in his first ever playoff game as a head coach. Uh, he he and Dan Campbell are the head, are by far the favorites for the coach of the year this year. And for, for no short for, for no short reason, he turned this team around from where they were last year. I mean, they had the number two pick and what 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 was being called the biggest screw up. In, in like with drafting history, it was being told it was one of the biggest screw ups when they won their last game of the season last year, clinching the number two overall pick rather than the number one. And I don't think at this point anybody is saying that anymore because CJ Stroud not only had a phenomenally better year than Bryce Young, but CJ Stroud, like you said, was perfect in that game against what was considered maybe the best defense in football, the Cleveland Browns. Flacco didn't do anything horrible but you couldn't have expected prime joe flacco at this point in the season it just it would have been too good to be true i would have to say 
Um, I, I, I think the Browns could have and should have played better, but then you also have to remember things like this was a year without Nick Chubb. This was a year where Miles Garrett missed some time throughout the year. It wasn't a perfect year for Cleveland. Obviously, the Deshaun whole Deshaun Watson thing and, and how, how much time he missed. Good job by the Browns to get into the playoffs to be that number one wild card. But as we saw, Houston just ran right over them. And this is a very, very exciting Houston team heading into the next few years. Yeah, they didn't, definitely didn't back down. They did not shy away from the moment. And they they can't. The, one other thing was they came out aggressive. They were throwing the ball. They were going for it. And then defensively sending blitzes. They were playing very aggressively. And it paid off as we saw. What I echo a lot of the same sentiments, though, where the Browns, very tumultuous year, losing Nick Chubb week two. Deshaun Watson's a whole other issue, but Joe Flacco, who didn't play, steps in, you know, goes like five and one down the mm-hmm. last stretch of the games, looks incredible. You know, getting them into the playoffs in such a stacked division, as we've talked about, you know, really goes a long way. It definitely kept Stefanski's job too. Cause you oh, know, yeah. if he goes seven and 10, probably on the hot seat, the least. Mm-hmm. So the future is bright. I'm curious to see what they do with Watson next year. I think they could bolster their offense a little bit more, help out with Amari Cooper. Um, getting Nick Chubb back healthy will be big defensively though. I mean, of course, minus the playoff game where they did get lit up, like that defense has looked good. And as someone with a pretty lackluster defense, I would have killed for that. So, but we'll talk about that later. Any also love me some Demeco Ryan's met the guy in person when I was like 12, I have his autograph. <laughs> nice. So when he was, when he spent like the one year on the Eagles, that's right. But yeah, excited for them. Um, any final thoughts about that game? Um, not about the game, but just just in general. Please, for the love of God, if I don't I don't know my own teams, but I know one thing, and that's that the Cleveland Browns will disappoint. That's the only thing I know to be true about sports. The only thing. In in a vacuum, like they didn't because of just you know they lost a bunch of people. They lost their quarter of a billion dollar quarterback, which that's beyond me why they're paying. Of course, Nick Chubb all that. But yeah, you're right. There was a lot of hype about them. I mean, quite frankly, I wanted a Ravens text. No, sorry. Ravens Browns rematch. <laughs> Didn't get it. Uh, this is, this is going to be a theme in this episode though. And it's why <laughs> I started texting you when I was texting you late <laughs> Sunday. Cause I knew I was just wrong about everything. It was, I, I, I did a thing and we know what happened and yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to it. Okay. So that's that game. Uh, next game on the slate, the other AFC game. Oh, yes. Blistering cold game in Kansas City. Yep. Chiefs versus Dolphins. There, I got to be honest, not a whole lot to be said about this game, too. Another blowout. I think it was 23-6 off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the – it was – with Winchell, I think it was like negative 15, negative 20. I mean, you, everyone saw the photos yeah. of Andy Reid's mustache. Coldest, yeah, one of the coldest games in NFL history. Uh, tough, tough, tough situation. Yeah. And the Winchell didn't make it any better. Uh, the Dolphins were, even if this game was at home, I don't think they would have done well. They've been decimated with injuries and have really struggled down the stretch, especially against good teams. Yeah. 
nonetheless though like they 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 tried but it was just it's too cold they weren't at home and they got smoked to be honest there was really no offense they were throwing screen passes behind the line of scrimmage and just trying and praying for Tyreek Hill to run and break something there was the one touchdown that he did have on like a 40 50 yard pass completion for a touchdown so there was a little bit of life but ultimately the Chiefs controlled the game very steady and just handily beat the Dolphins yeah no uh, you, you've been right about Tua pretty much this whole time he just doesn't doesn't have it when he needs it they struggled all year long against teams above 500 all year long um tough way to end though especially in that read that you know coveted rematch of Tyreek Hill versus his former team and Hill himself had, had, had a solid game but this Chiefs team came in with much more playoff experience and, and a much different demeanor and, and we saw that and they handled their business and moved right on I, I do there like I said was not a whole lot to this game I do want to talk about Tua quick yes I'm very good at grading rookie quarterbacks for the most part especially <laughs> when they're young um not the biggest Tua fan, and part of that is, of course, the Buffalo bias. However, he he has had flashes. I mean, he's got a great offense around him. Mike McDaniel is a very offensive-minded coach. And from what I am reading, it sounds like they are going to sign him to some sort of long-term extension. The salary cap keeps going up. Quarterbacks keep getting an exorbitant amount of money to the point where I I feel like it doubles every year, like the max contract. What, like, realistically, what amount of money do you feel comfortable paying him in the new salary cap? Because, like, at this point, I think the max quarterback is going to get $60 million a year. Yeah, that sounds I, right. I, yeah. I'll just quickly start, and then you can say your thoughts. I'd feel fine paying him thirty-five. I don't think it's going to lead you to anything. He puts up good numbers. He's going to get you wins with how he plays especially with that core around him do I think he's a difference maker no I think he's a great game manager that you know there's been that argument about Purdy and other quarterbacks as mm-hmm. of late but I think 35 is a reasonable number especially with the way the market has gone and I I think he's better than Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray's making 50 that's not an argument to pay him 50 but <laughs> 35 I think is a good sticking point. I do think he'll get closer to 50 though. I was going to say, I think he'll be more in the 40 to 50 range. He's household name at this point. Um, what that household, how big the household is, who knows, but <laughs> he, you know, he's not, he's not here. You're, you're absolutely right. He's better than Kyler Murray. He's better than some of the other quarterbacks that are kind of on those, those bigger deals. But it's also like he's just going to get paid this much anyway. Like you you really mentioned, you hit the nail on the head. Quarterbacks are just getting more and more money every single year. If you have a guy you're comfortable with and your fan base can get behind, you're just going to pay him. That's that's an interesting thing Interesting thing that's going to come up with Dak now that he did sign that. He, you know, that not, now that that's all going on and the Cowboys aren't winning playoff games, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, you're 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 jumping the gun. We got, know, we got a whole segment. Sorry, I'm, pull, I'm pulling back to it here. The reason I brought him up is because you don't want to get in a situation where you have paid him sixty million dollars and are, you, you know, tri- tiptoeing your way into the playoffs every single year. They were competing for the division to the very end. However, I don't think anybody had a doubt in their mind that once the Bills had a chance to have a win and clinch the division, that they weren't going to just take that game. And that's exactly what happened. 
good good season for Miami. Don't don't get this mixed. Good season for the Dolphins, but you just have to be careful with how much you pay to You know, right now I'm eating some words about Lamar Jackson, but he's still got two more games to win. Two is not there yet. Two is not even to what Lamar Jackson has been in the past few years yet. And there's a chance he doesn't get that good. I mean, that that's what the Dolphins need to be realistic about is long-term. How long is he really going to be our guy for? Oh yeah. I think if you got to be the level of Lamar Jackson, that's a best case scenario. And you know, that's great for the Dolphins, but yeah, time will tell with that one. I think that's going to be kind of a, man, what's a good, QB comparison for the 2010s. Like, it's just going to kind of eat them into a hole. They'll be decent, kind of float around. It's like if Eli Manning didn't win the two Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that's a pretty fair comparison. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous because he won two Super Bowls, but other than that, Eli Manning had a fairly average career. And that, that feels like, too, like, like a, excuse me, fairly above average career, just not a superstar career. Yeah. That feels like where two is going to slip into. Herbert, two. All right, so that's that's sat- the Saturday slate of Wild Card Weekend. We get into Sunday. There was supposed to be the Bill Steelers, but there's a lot of snow in Buffalo. Like, we're uh-huh. talking feet here, Robbie. I don't care. You're used to that crap. Fields are supposed to be heated these days. I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to hear the praise for all your Buffalo Bills fans that, that went into the stadium and shoveled the next morning because the stadium should have been paying workers to do that. I I agree with that last point. However, <laughs> you, like it was impossible to drive. They had driving vans <laughs> out. People would have been stranded, like trying to get to the stadium. But I, I digress. COVID game. <laughs> I, they couldn't get <laughs> players there either. Um, that was the one o'clock game that got moved to Monday to pay civilians to shovel snow. Of course, you know, inflate the economy. Of course. Uh, the four o'clock game was the game I was looking forward to the least and yet ended up loving the most during wildcard weekend. It was Cowboys Packers. I thought this game was going to be one of those games where Packers, you know, get that pretty easy win, move on divisional round, then choke it. However, I was mistaken. Um, Too much credit. I had this fantasy league with my buddies from work. It's called Respecting Running Backs. We all <laughs> play as running backs, defensive ends, defensive tackles, kickers, punters, etc. One of my four running backs. So, actually, here's my list. I had Nick Chubb gets hurt. Oh. J.K. Dobbins gets hurt. Oh. Dave Montgomery, who spent most of the season, well, part of the season hurt. My other running back was Aaron Jones. Oh. Aaron Jones was that. always a healthy scratch 30 minutes before the game, and it always screwed me over with no depth. Um, he's always hurt, really didn't have a great season this year. Uh, but you know what? Despite the fact I got last place in that league, all is forgiven. Mr. Jones had three touchdowns in his home state of Texas, was just chewing up yards on this Cowboys defense. And then I had to rub my glasses twice because I couldn't tell you if that was Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, or Brett Favre. He was out there slinging the ball. And a lot like C.J. Stroud, he had a perfect game. And a lot like C.J. Stroud against what was considered one of the best defenses in all of football. It That game, too, the Cowboys game specifically, 
was funny to watch because not only was he diming balls and hitting receivers, but they were egregiously wide open. They would run play action fakes. You'd have Romeo Dobbs just wide open. And it was, it felt like they were confusing them. And it was comical to watch. I watched this defense that had been talked about as the greatest ever just get eaten up. And the final score, unfortunately, doesn't reflect it because it ends up being a 14-point game because the entire fourth quarter is just the Cowboys getting the ball back and getting garbage time yards, which Dak Prescott, who had less than 100 yards in the first half, finished with 400 yards because he just got given the ball and told to throw it every time. To kind of keep these thoughts intact, um, I want to start with Packers. One thing I noticed that they did very well, they're the underdog. They played with house money. They had nothing to lose. They went in there and just went for it. They played aggressive. They played smart, though, and they just went out firing. They controlled the pace the whole game, the entire game. Absolutely. They, they, they won the coin toss and elected to receive for the sole purpose of not going down against the Cowboys. The other thing that I really loved, no pun intended, of course, with <laughs> their quarterback's namesake, if you watch like on play action fakes or even just when there's a shotgun, like Dallas has a great pass rush. They have a lot of bodies. They'll get to your quarterback, cause chaos. Jordan Love would take deep drops and we're talking like four or five steps past where quarterbacks usually go like he was giving himself room he's got an arm and he gave himself a lot of time to throw the ball obviously you can't do that all the time otherwise it gives defenders more time to get to the ball but when a receiver is that wide open hey he had nothing to lose now dallas cowboys give it to me Oh Just man, let it this loose. Let it rip. 12 and 5 team watching Mike McCarthy yet again blow in the playoffs, watching defensive savant Dan Quinn get eaten up. Uh, Micah Parsons do nothing <laughs> and and he got a holding call. He got a des- deserved holding call after everyone's been complaining he doesn't get any. This team got eaten up, and I thought the cherry on top, too, was how badly the offensive played. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb oh. literally did nothing. Looked like he wanted to leave after the first drive. Dak Prescott's pick six, so funny. <laughs> this, we, all, like, I won't go all, 10 picks. I was going to say, with all due respect to Dak Prescott, like he just was a shell of himself in the playoffs. He played very well in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He looked terrible. And part of it was the Packers defense played great, but they just they just went at him. He looked horrendous. Jair Alexander had an awesome interception. The pick six was phenomenal. And it felt great to watch him get beat up. It felt great to watch my McCarthy look dumbfounded and the Best part of it all was Jerry Jones looking disgusted even before <laughs> halftime. That made me so happy. And then the Carmel on top of that Sunday, they are keeping Mike McCarthy. Yeah, that was the, that was 
We're going to get to what coaches are available in a hot second. There are two all-time coaches available, plus a really good college coach available. And they go ahead and just reaffirm this dude who has won, what, two playoff games in his career? One? Well, as a Cowboys coach, he has as won. As a Cowboys coach, yeah, sorry. He has won one. Just, just yeah. Bucks. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I told I have a buddy out here. He, he he works at one of the other schools that I work in the system of schools that I work at. He's a Cowboys fan. He was at the beginning of the year. I remember him saying, "This is the year. This is the year." And I'm like, "Buddy, I run a sports podcast. I talk about every single year that the Cowboys are great in the regular season, but they choke in the playoffs. They're the Milwaukee Bucks of of football. Uh, there there'll be a reverse of this reference later on in the show. They can't win in the playoffs. Watch you. I bet they don't even win one playoff game." And once we got to the playoffs, I did assume they were going to beat the Packers. Shout out to the Packers. Youngest playoff team to ever make the playoffs and won a game. Dallas blew away all of my expectations. They they can't do it. They're, they're becoming the Cleveland Browns of the NFC. They're, they're just they're, – they're doing it to themselves. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Dak is missing wide-open receivers. I don't know how much easier it can be. I think the best part, too – that like will continue is the fact a lot of Cowboys fans will use statistics to explain to you why Dak Prescott is the greatest quarterback in the league. Like it's, they claim they watch football religiously, but there's, they don't watch anything in the playoffs. And it is funny to me when they pull shit like that, because his stats in the playoffs, three touchdowns, two interceptions, 400 yards. They look fine, but if you watch that game, he looked horrendous and was a shell of himself. And just I, I'm I was so elated that that the Packers didn't choke that game. It God, th- this win was funny because it was humiliating, but it wasn't like the end was humiliating as per usual. Usually, like not being able to spike the ball against the 49ers, <laughs> Ezekiel getting blown up last year. This one didn't have that factor, but like losing by 14 to the youngest team of all time in the playoffs and the team that barely squeaked in. Yeah. Pretty bad, pretty especially bad. in Jerry world. <laughs> That's yeah, the best part where they were, they were historically good at home, historically good at home. One more thing. It is the cringiest fucking thing in the world that their fans run into the stadium. Mm hmm. As the game starts, I'm like, what do, what do you need to do? It's like it's like Black Friday shopping, but also nobody does Black Friday shopping anymore because you can do it on your computer. Yeah, also you can't get anything, like, early. Like, you're just running into, like, I'm the first one to my seats. <laughs> I gotta get my beer! Oh, wow, you have four hours till game time. You can yeah. have multiple beers. God, terrible. So I'm glad that fan base is defeated. It makes me yeah. feel happy and also gave me kind of, like, a little bit of hope for what comes later. So uh, yeah, it, it evens itself out. You're, you're yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. Make no mistake. This this isn't just all happiness. Yeah, no. Monday was not a good day for the for the state of Pennsylvania. That that Monday. <laughs> Black Monday. Uh, <laughs> so probably the best game in the slate. Eight yeah. o'clock game Sunday. Rams versus Lions. Goff versus Stafford. McVeigh versus Goff. Lions first, well, Lions first playoff game in maybe like eight years or so when they play the Cowboys last. 
this was the best game because it was the closest. Um, the Lions looked great offensively. They scored points at will in the first half and then didn't really score anything minus a field goal in the second. Uh, they just were able to kind of control it at the end, keep their head just above water to beat the Rams and kind of ice the game. Puka Nakua had a sensational game. Mm-hmm. To cap uh, off a sensational rookie year. Absolutely. Matthew Stafford had a very good game. Um, I But one of the things I think really kind of shined a little bit of a light on this game was some questionable officiating, as was a lot of games over the last few days. <laughs> uh, that... And then also too, like just uh, the one hit on Higby that kind of just ruined him. A little bit of a dirty, not a little bit, a lot of bit Very. of a dirty hit. Yeah. So I don't know. It left a sour taste in my mouth. Like good on the Lions for winning. Wasn't super convincing in my opinion, but you know what? A win's a win. I mean, mm-hmm. for Christ's sake, the Cowboys didn't win, so it really doesn't matter. That's but fine. yeah, first playoff win in 30 years long time long time congratulations to the lions i, I have a very good friend who's a lions fan he man he's just happy to be here like he, he keeps texting me why is in the playoffs why is in the second round who would have thought it's like that that uh, paul rudd me who would have thought? thought not me uh but yeah I'll, I'll have more grief to give the lions in the next round of course uh mainly a former eagles player but that was the end of that sleep. And now we move into Monday. We have our postponed Bills game. The Bills beat the Steelers 31-17. Thanks to an abysmal game from George Pickens. Thanks to you guys bitching out about playing. You were the one excited about playing in the snow. And then, no, no, I'm kidding. I can't. It would, it would have been impossible <laughs> to play that game, ladies and gentlemen. I'm being so sour for absolutely no reason. Uh, the Steelers kept it close for a little while, or at least brought it back for a little while uh, at, at, towards the around the third quarter. Um, but this was a game dominated by Buffalo the whole time. We we kind of already always knew the Bills were going to win this game. No T.J. Watt for the Steelers on their third quarterback of the year, Mason Rudolph, who didn't finally did not play very well. <laughs> um, not very surprisingly, uh, this was a game Buffalo was always going to win. And they took care of business at home in the cold and the snow. And they're 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 fans. Though. I gotta say something about this. Buffalo Buffalo Bills Mafia is touted as one of the most fun and, and lovable fan bases in football. I cannot stand them. I can't I can't do it. The the shoveling bull crap on Twitter. The I'm sorry. The throwing snowballs at George Pickens in the end zone up three scores. Come on, Bills fans. Come on. Despicable. Have some amount of class. I understand that you're very excited to be in the playoffs every year because you think it's your year every year. But man, it's the Steelers. You don't need to be throwing snowballs at the Steelers. I I do. I also do hate that. Actually, I was at the Dolphins-Bills game last year. It had snowed. And there's, you know, in our seats... Like we were standing on ice the entire game, so there was just a ton of snow everywhere. Yeah. The one drive, it ended up being a Dolphins field goal. Like, they are just bombarding snowballs in the end zone. And 
I texted you it like that Pickens play where they threw a bunch of snowballs would not have mattered because the ball was out of his reach anyway. But I, I do hate that. Like nothing wrong with throwing it when they score or whatever. Yeah. But like as the play is going on, I, I also just hate that from like just a love of the game perspective. And it continued in the division round, which we'll talk about. But I think if you guys had TJ Watt and if it wasn't for that interception in the red zone it would have been a close game if the score was too like it was a two-score game it was unfortunate that you guys weren't at full health obviously but yeah like with what you guys had you did as good as you could uh i think so i'm not mad oh sorry sorry go ahead no no no. yeah i was gonna say like josh allen just went into playoff form. Like he always plays very well in the playoffs and did plenty. Mason Rudolph had his moments, but yeah, the interception, uh, the, the Pickens fumble was a big one. You guys getting the Friar move fumble was another one that was yeah, good. That one, I, I didn't bring up the refereeing because it was, it, it felt like it largely went Buffalo, but there was one play that, that Friar move recovered fumble. That was nobody, nobody on TV at least could see where it touched Friar move before it was recovered by a Bills player in bounds. So, it, 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 and that was a play that kept the Steelers largely in the game. I, that, I, was that the Mason Rudolph picks interception in the end zone drive? That, it ends up being that. Yeah. So, like, it, it ends up being moot anyway, because there's no points off of it. Buffalo ends up getting the ball on a turnover. But, yeah, it 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 was interesting. Some calls didn't go your way, like that George Pickens play in the fourth quarter probably should have been PI, but Pickens is a little bit of a diva and nothing was going yes. their way either. Yes. So no, it wasn't a game where we were going to get the refs on our side. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, and again, congratulations to the Buffalo bills for taking care of business. You guys, you, you didn't, you didn't sneak by and accidentally win a game against the worst team. You, you went out, you took care of business. You won the game before we continue talking about the bills. I do want to say just a few things about the few things about the Steelers. Um, Mike, Mike Tomlin, there was some talk. Does he, you know, take a year off? Does he retire? He does seem like he is coming back to finish out at least this current contract he's on as a Steelers head coach next year. And they are actively looking for offensive coordinators. And I know you're not going to love this. Cliff Kingsbury is at the top of the list. He actually came in for an interview today, if I'm not mistaken. I don't hate that signing, to be honest. We'll, we'll see how that goes if they do bring him in. A few other names, but but they are going to be hiring from outside of the organization for the new offensive coordinator. Kenny Pickett is back at QB1, but they are going to be bringing in competition. Take that with a grain of salt. Last time they brought in competition, it was Mitch Trubisky. So, yeah, grain of salt. I bet you Mitch Trubisky gets waived this year, this offseason. I bet you uh, Mason Rudolph signs to be somebody's backup for much more than the Steelers are willing to pay him. Yeah, I I don't hate Kingsbury as an as an offensive coordinator. In fact, I think it'd be kind of good to to be honest, like the Steelers offense isn't really primarily focused on being flat flashy or like innovative. It's more of we have great players, we're gonna use them to their full yeah. capacity and go from there. So maybe there's a little bit of innovation that comes with it. Uh Last game on the slate, Eagles Bucks. <laughs> um, a lot of people asked me, Alex, like, I'm so sorry. By the way, like after the Tuesday after the game, 
if you didn't know that I was an Eagles fan, you would have thought like my mom had died. Everyone's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm like, please stop saying that. Uh, this game, I would equate to having a dog with cancer, like unsurvivable cancer and watching it put down. Like it was pretty bad. There was seconds of hope. I would say, and that was right before halftime. And then I watched Jalen Hurst get dragged back by his helmets on a two-point conversion, and my hope was gone. But even that aside, there wasn't, like, the Buccaneers, there were a few missed calls, but the Buccaneers routed the Eagles. The Buccaneers also had a chance to probably put up 50 if they didn't drop every pass that came to them. (laughs) A lot of drops. And... Yeah, I watched uh, Jalen Hurts try and throw balls to the sidelines every play when the middle of the field's wide open. I watched a team that is notorious for blitzing on third down, in fact, is the highest rate, just do that consistently, and consistently no one picked up pressure. It was a proper way to end the season for the Eagles, who have struggled down the stretch. I'm kind of glad it's done, to be honest. And I, the positive of this, Nick Sianni's back next year as head coach. Mm-hmm. But I think in that deal with Jeff Lurie, he probably had to promise to fire both his coordinators because Sean Desai is not coming back, Matt Patricia is not coming back, and Brian Johnson's finally gone, and I can breathe easily. Is, is he officially gone? He is officially gone, I said today. I believe the only reason they didn't get rid of him was because if, God forbid, someone hired him as a head coach, they would have gotten draft compensation. I see. So even the Panthers didn't want him, and that that oh. that's very telling. Yeah, Panthers can get anything they can get. Um, it is a real disappointing way to end the season. The defense never was like it was last year. We really missed what Gannon had, and the play calling was abysmal, especially compared to what Steichen did last year. Yeah. Really felt gutted losing both of our coordinators. And especially in that game, it really did not help to not have A.J. Brown. Yeah, that, I mean, you could tell the offense was just not. I mean, the offense was the only thing keeping the Eagles afloat all year long. The defense, that was the worst part about the Eagles. is You knew all year long this defense stunk, especially the secondary. Mm-hmm. You made the Kenyon Byard trade, and that was it. That was the only adjustment that was made all year long. And that's... That's what really stunk. And so the offense eventually just gave out. A.J. Brown played a long season. And he got hurt in the very last week. It's it, it sucks. And the Eagles probably shouldn't have been playing starters the whole game. But it is what it is. That's huge for a few reasons. Because, first of all, it means Devontae Smith clearly isn't ready to be anybody's number one. At least any contending team's number one receiver. And, and two, it put all the pressure on this struggling defense that hasn't figured it out. And the thought going in was, well, it's the Buccaneers. If it was going to be any team, this is the team that you can get away with it. But no, first of all, the Buccaneers may have won the worst division of football, but they won it this year above 500. They deserve to be in the playoffs. Uh, and they, they at times looked like a very competent team. They had a lot of like like very close single-digit losses this year. Um, and they took it to the Eagles. They went right at them, right after. I hadn't even turned on the game, and it feel, felt like it was already 10 nothing. Um, huge, huge, huge game for them coming off of the year, you know, the last year, Brady 
and losing in the first round to this, beating the team that made the Super Bowl out of the NFC last year. Great job for the Bucks, but for the Eagles, just a lot of question marks coming going into the offseason now. Yeah, Running hopefully. Game two. Yeah, that, well, that was what bothered me, where they really quickly abandoned the run game. It was very pass-heavy immediately. Um, going back to Devontae Smith, though, even though A.J. Brown wasn't there, he had a great game. He really was the only offensive spark they had. Um, you're right where it's a lot better having him as a two because he's so dynamic and can do so much, if not the best corners on him. But even with attracting the most pass coverage, eight receptions, 148 yards, and the only real spark that the offense had all day. Um, sure, sure. And I don't want to discredit that, but the yeah, Buccaneers yeah. also have a pretty terrible secondary. Well, it works great when you send seven men blitzes and no one picks up six or seven men. Well, that doesn't feel like it's Devontae Smith's fault. No, 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 no. This <laughs> is this is a game plan like coaching issue. Make no mistake. Yeah. Uh but yeah, they I mean he did his best and yeah, I can finally not have to worry about the Eagles anymore for the season. It feels honestly great. Feels great. Good. I'm happy for you. Um okay, that's the wild card, you know, lot going on there, but Let's talk about the divisional round. That was this past weekend. That's what everyone really cares about. Yep. And we'll start with the first game on the slate, Saturday midday to Saturday night. That is Texans versus Ravens, two of the youngest quarterbacks in the league, You know, two stars, quite frankly, especially after last week, going up against each other. And in general – we kind of saw how young the Texans actually are. They went up against a team with more experience, especially from a coaching perspective. And I think just had more veteran experience, especially on the defensive side, and a lot more star power. While it was 10-10 at half, especially due to a big Texans punt return, the Ravens really controlled the game. They limited Stroud. He didn't have any interceptions, but he also didn't have any touchdowns. They struggled to get anything going. The Ravens secondary played great. The pass rush was really getting to Stroud, despite how good the Texans offensive line is. And then you got who will be the MVP in Lamar Jackson doing his thing. He played great, especially with, you know, having that week of rest. Eventually, the Texan defense kind of broke. They were able to get some stops early, but it was just too much in the end, especially in Baltimore. And Ravens go to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, no, this was the kind of the flip side of what the Texans got in the first round of the playoffs in the wild card round. They were on the receiving end of the, the ass whooping in the divisional round. Um, we we had a lot of things to say last year about Lamar Jackson with his big contract extension and all that. He has had probably the best year of his career. And this is, this is a former MVP of the league already. He has a very good chance to send his team to its very first super, excuse me, it's, it's very first Super Bowl with him as the starting quarterback. Harbaugh himself has already won a Super Bowl with the Ravens and they are in a very good place to do it. They get to play their next game at home. They handle business against a young but very talented and explosive Houston team. You won't hear me talk very positively about the Baltimore Ravens very often. But as of right now, this is probably the scariest team in the NFL. 
They are so complete. And I, I said it a few times already, you know, the, the Browns, the Cowboys, the Steelers, teams that had maybe the best defensive football. This is the best defensive football in Baltimore. My knock on them was always they can't stay healthy. This was the year they were able to stay healthy, and this was the year they were able to prove what able to prove what happens when they can stay healthy. And it is number one seed going to the a, going to host the AFC Championship with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It, almost not enough good things to be able to say about this Ravens team right now. Lamar has been playing phenomenal football. Yeah, and not only giving Lamar a big extension this summer, but on top of that. They finally got him some help with receivers, drafting Zay Flowers. They brought in Odell. Nelson Aguilar has been a reasonably good pickup. Uh, Mark Andrews for a time, obviously not in the playoff team. They are complete. They have a real good team. And, yeah, Lamar has made good on his promise to play great with his big contract. And, you know, he is – deserving of being the highest played player, especially as of now. So props to him, props to that team. You know, they still got to take care of business this upcoming Sunday, but they have a chance to go back to the Super Bowl. But there is a pretty tough opposition that's standing in their way. Oh, we'll find yeah, out should, who it should is. We, should we go by Slate or should we stay in the AFC? No, we got to talk about AFC last. Okay. Oh, he, he's, he's had a rough, rough couple rough playoffs. For our friend over here in the in the East Coast, just just because like it, it makes more sense sequentially. <laughs> um, but late game Saturday, your seven seed Packers versus the 49ers in San Francisco, and yet again Jordan Love showed up. He played tremendously and put the Packers in a position to win this game. Brock Purdy looked like Mr. Irrelevant. He played terrible. On top of that, Debo got hurt. But despite that, they were within striking distance. They were playing reasonably well. Well, well, yeah, you got to mention McCaffrey because of that, because the real MVP was the the only reason they were in that football game. Right. You know, you're 7-6 at halftime. George Kittle is their only touchdown at the start. And then, yeah, sure enough, in the third quarter, McCaffrey had a a big run that put him up. Packers came back, though, and answered. Had a real great offensive attack. The only problem was they just weren't able to score in the fourth quarter. They had a chance to kick a field goal that would have put them up by seven. And Anders Carlson missed it. And sure enough, 49ers got the ball back, drove down the field, and scored with a minute left. And then Packers went full on gunslinger mode. Jordan Love threw a pick across the field. And the 49ers survived a little bit of hangover from their bye week, and they pulled out a win. Squeaked out a win, I'd call it. Um, there's one burning thing inside of me that I have to say before I even get to the rest of this. And that is if Brock Purdy does in fact win the NFL MVP this year, we should hang it up, call, call it a, call a a sport and be done with football forever. There will be nothing left to accomplish in the world of football. If Brock Purdy wins the 
MVP. Because that means anybody can win the MVP. I could win the MVP. Come on. This dude's throwing check down after check down after check down. That's not a superstar quarterback in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson's doing superstar quarterback things in the playoffs. Josh Allen is doing superstar quarterback things in the playoffs. This guy's not. McCaffrey's the MVP of football. Make no mistake, Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP this year, and I guarantee you he's not in the running. The 49ers should not have won this game, which is is weird because very rarely do you say the better team should not have won a game. The Packers played, again, controlled the game, the, the pace of the game, excuse me, really were able to establish their offense, especially in that third quarter, how they wanted to. But like you said, the inability to score in the fourth quarter, I think their youth showed up a little bit, especially on that Jordan, that Jordan Love interception at the end. But the reason the 49ers really did win this game was because, again, we're always going to come back to this in, in postseasons. They were the veteran team. And despite the fact that the Packers controlled the game, they kept themselves in it. And yes, the Anders Carlson missed field goal was enormous. Don't don't place that. They, they need to reconsider their kicking situation this offseason. But you knew they were always going to have that shot at the end, regardless of whether it was to tie or win. And if that game went to overtime, the 49ers were probably going to take it in overtime. They were more seasoned. They they felt like they it felt like other than Purdy, they had the ability to kind of last a little bit longer than the Packers did. And again, without the Packers scoring in that fourth quarter, that's that's kind of what it felt like happening happened. Yeah, if that game went to overtime, the 49ers would have most likely won it in some worlds they tie it and Anders Carlson kicks the game winning field goal now obviously didn't happen Anders Carlson kind of sucks for the Packers tough way to end the season but you know what you played with house money and the entire world is rooting for you because I don't think anyone outside of San Francisco really wants the 49ers to win for the 49ers, they got a complete team, though. And here's the thing. I do think that was a bit of a hangover game. And the next game that they play, they're going to come out there and mollywop someone. <laughs> yeah, well, well, let's talk about who that someone is going to be as we had our other NFC game as the first game on Sunday. That was the... Um, Excuse me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who defeated the Philadelphia Eagles, going into Detroit to play the Lions, who, again, it's just fun that they're here. And this was a tough one for the Buccaneers. Baker never really quite got it going in that first half. It really showed. um, And we know what this Lions team can do with opportunity. And, again, it turned out to, I think, be a slightly closer game in the end than it really felt like for most of the game. But Detroit was just simply better in basically every regard. And Jared Goff is really making the Rams. I know the Rams won a Super Bowl before, but now it's like, man, I almost wish we had this guy still. Not that Stafford played poorly, but Goff's looking great. He definitely is, but it's night and day, especially when he's facing a blitz. Yes. Um, the Lions, it always seemed like whenever the Bucks would score, the Lions would then match it. So they're always... If it wasn't Tyler, it was one step ahead. Uh, the Bucks simply were just kind of outgunned, outmanned. Like, the Lions have a bunch of weapons, and they have let them loose. And it did what it was supposed to do. 
Jared Goff had a very good game, looked good. Um, big way to start the game momentum-wise with the tipped ball interception from Baker Mayfield. Not really his fault when a yeah. ball goes 30 feet in the air. Anyone can catch it for the most part. Uh, I alluded to this earlier, talking about the Eagles defense, but um, at the end of the game, trying to drive you know, through an interception, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, former Eagles safety, was the one to make that. Or no, yeah. ooh, wait. Oh no, no he had I, the first one, didn't he? Yeah, the first one. Uh, apologies. Let me rewind that. So yeah, start of the game, everyone's excited. Gardner Johnson gets the tipped ball interception that I just talked about. You know, he proceeds to like shove the ball in Baker Mayfield's face and said something like. Oh, what did he say? He basically called him trash, and it just was like, my guy, it was a tipped ball right to you. No one was in an area code to even begin to defend, and he's just talking like how great he is. It's like, dude, like, shut up. <laughs> and what did he say? He said, <laughs> he, after the game, he said, and I tossed that bitch back at you, too. Make sure you send that with the jersey. Like, it it was a tipped ball. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a good like it's not like you made an incredible play. Yeah. You were in the <laughs> spot. I don't know that That's that part football. that part bothered me. I'm a little jaded they didn't come back to the Eagles, of course. But you know what? They're going to the NFC Championship game. Eagles ain't tough way for the Bucks season to end. But one thing I want to talk about the Bucks. Baker Mayfield played his way into probably a pretty decent contract. I'd say so. I hope from the Bucks because they need to give him his flowers. Um, I am very curious to see what they do with Mike Evans because he had a phenomenal season when they wouldn't give him an extension and now potentially warrants even more money. So who knows what happens with him then? That's going to be – and Godwin did not have a great showing in the playoffs. No. So so Mike Evans holds all the cards right now in that situation. If he wants to leave Tampa Bay, he gets to leave Tampa Bay. Yeah. That will be an interesting one to watch. Detroit Lions, two wins in the playoffs since 2019. Dallas Cowboys, one win in the playoffs since 2019. Let's not mince words. The Detroit Lions are here to play. And they will be going to San Francisco to take on the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Growing up, did you ever think that sentence would be something that was heard, that the Detroit Lions were going to be playing in the NFC Championship game? No. <laughs> but you know what? They, they they have done a good job of changing the culture. They started fresh. They have a lot of young, talented players. And, yeah, it's it's working. My only fear, I said this before, and people can call me crazy because it hasn't happened yet, I worry now. I've been worrying that Dan Campbell is going to do something egregiously just aggressive and it's going to blow the game. Yeah, I, I, I think you're on to something. We talked about they're either getting eliminated in the first round or they're going to make it all the way to the championship game, maybe the Super Bowl. And we're, we're in that territory now. And it's if Dan Campbell, for some reason, is listening to this, remind yourself that your job isn't on the line here. You don't have to go for every fourth down if you don't need to go. Don't don't lose the game for your team. You know, don't well, don't put yourself in an opportunity where you just don't even have a chance to win. But like hypothetically, if they made the Super Bowl and he scored, they scored like a touchdown to, to tie the game. 
Like he would go for two to not go to overtime, and if he missed that two point conversion, I think he'd actually like die, like of a heart attack or like something. And yeah, I mean the 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 good thing about him and their fan base is if they did that and they went for it, it's like the Jimmy Butler three the year they they lost to the Celtics in the finals. They live and die by, it and they're with him 100%. If he goes for it and it doesn't work out, they'll be upset. They'll be tragically angry. But they're, they're going to live with it because at the end of the day, they like him. They want him back and they they appreciate what he's done. He's the first coach to ever really ignite winning culture in this franchise, at least in the last 35 years. Yeah, but if he goes for it again from the 11, oh. I fire him immediately. Sure. Sure. Well, let's let's not get let's not give him too, too much. The leeway. ghost of Henry Ford will come down and smite him. The other thing is don't question yourself too much, too. Right. Like you you got yourself here. You and your team got yourselves here. Don't question what you're doing too much, and don't try and get too fancy either. Absolutely. So, NFC Championship game in San Francisco, 49ers versus Lions. Who do you got? I have Lions, baby. Let's do it. I am I am here for it. I love this team. I love their offense. They, it, feels, it doesn't quite necessarily feel like it's their year to win the whole thing. Momentum has carried them so far in the playoffs. They have played... Very good football, especially down the stretch. I'm excited. I got the Lions. They had the hangover in the divisional round. I think they've figured it out. I think they will figure it out. I have the Packers. Sorry. Oh, boy. (laughs) Not the Packers. I'm. What time is it? Yeah, it's 930 here. Of course, I'm tired. Uh, I have the 49ers winning like 35-21. I that. Lions defense is so bad. It, if Debo's healthy and they get their weapons going, on top of that, the 49ers defense is pretty good. If they can get pressure on Goff, yeah, I think it's a wrap pretty quickly. So I'm we'll going see. 49ers. We'll see. Split on that one. All right. Last game on the slate happened two days ago. Night game. The rematch that I think everyone has been looking forward to, the next Manning versus Brady, uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. For the first time in the playoffs, the Bills got the chance to play Patrick Mahomes in Buffalo. And Josh Allen looked great. The defense was very beat up, and we watched Mahomes torch it with the worst offense he's had ever. Um, regardless, though, Josh Allen was a one-man show. He was throwing the ball and getting 10, 15 yards of play, running the ball for 10 yards. James Cook looked great in the first half. You know They were winning going into halftime. Uh, it was, I think it was 17-13. Yeah, and that's about when you texted me saying they were going to lose, right? Yeah, I had. <laughs> because, <laughs> look, this is not, yeah, this is not to be like, this is not an emotional hedge for anyone listening. I had this problem because, to me, for them to win, it felt like they had to stifle Mahomes. This wasn't a game they were going to win in a shootout. They never win the shootouts. <laughs> They they need to either blow out a team or have, like, a touchdown to advantage and then, okay, hold them. Mahomes 
was just slicing up the field. Rasheed Rice played great. Travis Kelsey looked like himself again, unfortunately. Pacheco was healthy this game. That was a big factor when they lost earlier in the season because he was injured, of course. They moved the ball at will. Part of it, like I said, was the fact that the Bills have a lot of injuries, both in the secondary, especially in their linebacking core. No all-pro linebacker Matt Milano. Still, going into the fourth, you're up uh, 20-24. You got a pretty good shot. You got to keep pace with Mahomes at least and score. And sure enough, the Chiefs score. It's 27-24. While this game was not full of a lot of defensive stops, there was not a whole lot of punting. The Chiefs in the fourth quarter really turned up the heat. They stifled James Cook. They were causing three and outs. And the Bills punting especially was horrendous. Their two punts, I think, were like, a net of like 35 and like 41 yards. And these weren't touchbacks, by the way, these were just mm-hmm. punts into like from the, their own 30 yard line. And now let's get to the turning point of the game where all the chaos really started. So Disney move. No, this, no, this was like, this was, this was a drop. Like this was like, Oh, the, any oh given yeah, Sunday. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's right. That happened first. This, they're on the 30, they get stopped. I talked about those punts that didn't go anywhere. Fourth and five, the Chiefs only have 10 men in the field, and that's after you you watch the play. The Bills decide to call a fake punt. And not only do they call a fake punt, but DeMar Hamlin has the ball. (laughs) Yes, the person almost died in the football field last year. And he's, he's, he's like my size. Mm-hmm. Probably a little smaller. Like he's he's meant to be like he's quick. He's a safety. He's a defensive back. Yeah, and they call essentially like a draw play into out of a bunch formation. Of yeah, and it goes maybe two yards. So they Three, turn maybe, the yeah. <laughs> they turn the ball over. There's no fanfare. Um, there was no real try like of a sweep. They just kind of ran to the line and got tackled, and I was ready to blow a gasket because the last thing you wanted to do is give the Chiefs field position, especially with the way it was. And here they said, "Here, Mahomes, here you can go up by they can go oh, you can go up by six at least." Of course, the first play, Pacheco runs for thirty yards. They get down to the one. They then, the Chiefs call some weird reverse play. And sure enough, McCall Hardman has the ball. He runs, gets tackled like on top of someone, and gets the ball knocked out by Jordan Poyer. The ball skates in the end zone, and just like that, the Bills are scot-free. No harm, no foul. No points. And I was one, I was stunned. The It didn't like the call didn't. It went their way. It wasn't a negative call. It didn't keep the call in the field that he was down, which is very uncharacteristic of Buffalo sports. 
So sure enough, they have a chance. They proceed to drive down the field. They burn a ton of clock. Two-minute warning hits. That idea of burning clock just goes out the window. They then try a deep pass that lands five yards short of, uh, I think it was uh, Sherfield. And then uh, third down, Allen's forced to throw the ball away. Leading up to a 44-yard field goal for none other than Tyler Bass. And into the wind, he kicks it wide right. Yeah, taking a step back, I believe, you know, this is only one side of the coin here, but I believe Tyler Bass last year was the number one kicker in fantasy football. And, or maybe number two. He was, he was top two kicker in fantasy football last year. And we were texting after the game, and you specifically said this, but I was kind of on the same page that we both kind of thought he was always having, he was already having a rough year. Like this was, this was an off year for Tyler Bass. Yeah, I would say too, with him being such a great fantasy kicker, though, this doesn't help my case because of what he missed, but typically from within 50 yards, he's, very automatic. It's where those farther kicks become problematic. Obviously, this time he missed a 44 yard field goal. Maybe that doesn't help my cause, but last year he'd kick a lot of those 40 yard field goals. Um, but against the Steelers in the last game, shank at the end. It didn't matter because yeah, the game was but, out of reach, but uh, yeah, horrible it, shank. But still, it's it's telling in that you hate hate to 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 lose an opportunity in a playoff game because of a kicker you do um but i do want to frame this like let's say he makes that kick mm-hmm. there's still a minute 40 left mahomes has a timeout like there's there is a chance you can hold them but probably pretty bad especially with how banged up that defense is on top of that Harrison Bucker is a phenomenal kicker. Yeah. So I, it was heartbreaking to say the least. At the same time, like it could have been heartbreaking, just drawn out a little bit. So it, it's a tough way to go. Um, Chiefs fans were throwing snowballs at. Or sorry, Bills fans were throwing snowballs at Chiefs players, Listen. which. I'm sure, I, I'm sure Chiefs were chirping, but also I know for a fact Bills fans were chirping. So at that point, it's like, all right, we won. Yeah, yeah, that's what, he, what can you what can you do? I want to bring some attention real quick because there's a lot that the Bills are obviously going to have to work on this off season. D- Stefan Diggs is going to be one of those things if he wants to even be a Bill moving forward. How to help Josh Allen? But you guys paid Von Miller an exceedingly large amount of money. And I want want to throw out probably one of my favorite stats that I'm ever going to get to read on this show. So Von Miller played in 14 games this year. Mm -hmm. He had nine tackles across those 14 games. Mm -hmm. That means, based on his contract, that Von Miller was averaging just under $3 million a tackle. $2.98 million per tackle Mm -hmm. for Von Miller. We talked earlier in the year about Khalil Mack being a shell of himself, and then Khalil Mack finished as a top five sack leader in the NFL. Von Miller, his career might be over if that's what he's going to bring to Buffalo from here on out. That was, let's just say, pathetic on his part. Oh, yeah, and I see for most of Buffalo when all that stuff came out about the domestic abuse stuff with him, people were kind of hoping he got cut because it would have saved a lot of money. 
And his contract, though, the way it's structured, I don't think you can really cut him because there's just a lot of dead money. So you can get rid of him, but then it's like, okay, you still have to pay him. Um, It is, yeah, obviously Von Miller, not what everyone had hoped for. ACL last year and now this year he's just the shell of himself. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, They got to get younger on defense. You know, Mike, that could have been Micah Hyde's last game. His contract's up. Jordan Poyer, I think, has another year, but man, he is very, very slow in open field. He also gets retired, too. He, he, yeah, he had a great game, which is completely different with how he played against the Bengals last year, but he played great. He had the first fumble against uh, Hardman. I'm curious to see what they do. Shakir, Khalil Shakir, was probably the shining spot of the bills besides Josh Allen. He had some incredible catches, especially the one touchdown. And yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I think they really need some sort of extra receiver to add on. Um, I think they got it set with James cook and then defensively get younger any way you can and stay healthy. Well, Levi Wallace back. No, absolutely not. You guys signed him. We'll come, you guys took we'll come him. Back to this. We'll come back to this in a few weeks, in a few months. We, I want one quarter cornerback on my roster, and I want it to be Joey Porter Jr., best cornerback in football. Uh, not really. He's getting there. Tough way for the Bills' year to end. Meanwhile, Kansas City advances to what I believe is their sixth consecutive AFC Championship game, where they will be traveling. That, that game in Buffalo was Patrick Mahomes' first career road playoff game. He will now be playing, other than, of course, the Super Bowls. Um... He will now be playing a second straight road playoff game as they go to Baltimore in what I see as probably the most highly anticipated quarterback matchup of the year, despite what we just saw last week, in what should be MVP Lamar Jackson versus arguably best player in football, Patrick Mahomes. I think this is going to be, has the potential to be the best game of the entire NFL season. I think so too. It's going to be a close game. Who do you got winning, though? This goes against everything I believe in, but I've got the Baltimore Ravens winning this game and going to play the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl. I have the Ravens winning by three. Tucker field goal to end it. I'm I'm all in on this Super Bowl color theory. I've, I've, <laughs> I've decided I'm not saying the NFL's rigged farthest thing from that. Uh-huh. Actually, here's a quick story. Um, so I was at the dentist on Monday. And, of course, the news is up, you know, Bills lose, yada, yada. And this old guy sits down across from me. I'm just looking at the TV. Didn't say a word. You know, I'm getting a filling in my teeth. He sits down and he's looking at the TV. He goes, you know, the NFL's rigged, right? I'm like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. But I'm like, how so? Like, I'm jaded. I'm like, what? <laughs> tell, tell me. He, he gave in. I gave in to my intrusive thoughts and the guy goes, that Travis Kelsey touchdown. I'm like, yeah, he'll make the first one. He goes, yeah, he didn't have his feet down. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, the one where he stood in the corner of the end zone, throwing up hearts to people and bombed the ball into the upper deck. Yeah. He didn't have his feet down clearly. (laughs) And then he's also like, so one of the other plays 
that kind of mattered. There weren't many penalties called. Uh, actually, one other thing about the Bills that screwed them over, they could not catch any deep ball. Yeah, Josh the digs Allen's drop. The digs drop. Sherfield had one that was kind of close, a tougher ball, but the digs one was an 80-yard touchdown that he missed yeah. up. Sherfield could have had a 40-yard gain. Quick aside, but so later in the game, one of the few penalties that was called was a pass interference penalty on the Dorian Williams, I believe, for the Bills. Basically, the the ball gets thrown at the same moment. There's a receiver coming over the middle of the field, and Dorian Williams hits him. Mm-hmm. So since the ball's released, you can't hit him. Obviously, it's pass interference. And it's one of those plays where you kind of need to slow it down for it to see. Yeah. But, like, if you slow it down, it's the correct call. It was something to discuss for a little bit. And in the grand scheme of things, the replay got right. And he's like, so this old guy goes, yeah, that play with a pass interference call, total bullshit. I'm like, how so? I'm getting into my intrusive thoughts again. <laughs> and he's like, you can only see it if you slowed it down. You, like, it's so rigged. That, like, my my son is TiVo. And he had to slow it down to the precise frame. And then you could see it. I'm like, but it happened. He saw it. I See, I couldn't bring myself to say it because I'm like, I just need to shut up so he stops talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And I did. I finally listened to my inner thoughts. Good. And then uh, my dentist proceeded to fix my teeth. And uh, he was pretty aggressive because he was mad the Bills lost. So I was worried he was going to punch out one of my teeth. But he didn't. So we're good. Good. All right. Good there. Anything more for football? I know we talked a lot about it. No, we may. I think we'll skip the coaching updates because I don't think we've really gotten a whole lot. We Bill Belichick was released by the Patriots. Pete Carroll was released by the Seahawks. Both of them are still potentially, excuse me, looking to continue coaching careers. Uh, not NFL. We also saw Nick Saban has retired from Alabama. Who knows if the retirement will stick, but they have replaced him already with Bill O'Brien. Um, so that'll be interesting moving forward if they Ooh. made a. Not Bill. Yeah. No, sorry. No, the Washington head coach. Sorry. Yeah. My apologies. My apologies. Bill O'Brien somewhere else. Um, Regardless, we will see if Alabama remains a powerhouse in college football. For the NFL, we got three total games left, two championship games, I guess the Pro Bowl if you want to count it, and then then the Super Bowl. I've predicted Ravens-Lions. You've predicted Ravens-49ers. Who is your Super Bowl champion? 49ers. I'll go Ravens. I, I I love the Lions. I want to see them do it. I don't think they have what it takes to, take, to, to to win it all this year. I think the Ravens have looked like the most complete team all year long. I, I got to go with the Ravens. I like it. All right, you want to talk basketball? I would love to talk some basketball, man. Let's get into it. We are finally getting into a slightly more exciting time in the NBA season. We're rolling towards the midway point, and most importantly, trades are finally starting to heat up in the NBA, which is always an exciting time. The Eastern Conference, we've talked about a lot in our NBA coverage so far this this season, and the fact that it's basically five or six teams and everybody else. And, and it's these teams have not done much to separate themselves from each other. We are going to be almost exclusively talking about that group of teams in this segment here. Uh, as my computer's trying to update something that I don't know what it's trying to update. First things first, let's talk about the Indiana Pacers, who have been playing, you know, great basketball. They they made it to the in-season tournament championship, which was relatively unexpected. And now 
we're we, we so actually sorry let me take a, like a step back for a second i don't remember if i brought this up on the last episode but there was a potential pascal siakam to the kings trade that fell through did the kings pulled out they didn't want to give up to uh, i guess what what the raptors were asking for so it didn't happen raptors kind of pivot switch gears they're trying to sell 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 right now they move on to indiana and like i said the pelicans as well it ends up being a three-team deal and they do end up moving Pascal Siakam to Indiana. In return, they get Bruce Brown. They got um, uh, well, they ended up getting three first-round draft picks, two from the Pacers, one from the Ra- uh, the Pelicans, who also gave up Kyra Lewis Jr. And as well, the Raptors gave the Pacers, excuse me, Pacers gave the Raptors Jordan Nuora, another another young piece to potentially. Uh, get extra playing time in in Toronto's rebuilding system. Bruce Brown, we'll see if another team goes after him. He played a huge part of the Nuggets championship run last year. But Pascal to the Pacers teaming up with the assist leader in Tyrese Halliburton, who we've talked about as probably a surefire all-star starter this year. This is honestly a very exciting duo. I think a few people in the league have been waiting for a Pascal Siakam trade the last few years. What, What do you got? What do you think about this? It's... Siakam needed a change of scenery, obviously, because the Raptors are going into that rebuilding mode. And they got Barnes to rebuild around. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. It's kind of what you to get Halliburton, you need to give away Sabonis. Mm -hmm. Now you get a Sabonis like player. You get that stretch forward who can do a lot. Very athletic, has won a title. It's exciting, and Indiana, who was a bottom feeder team not too long ago, has now cultivated something that's very interesting. I'm curious to see how they're gonna like gonna mesh in general, because Hal Burton's a very ball dominant player and can do a lot. But what gives me optimism is the fact that he's very good at facilitating, and I think that'll be very important especially with a guy like Siakam who can do a lot of different things very well, finish at the rim, shoot a little bit. That's what excites me. It gives him help. Halliburton is not going to face double and triple teams all the time. Now you got to worry about Siakam and losing Bruce Brown while sad was kind of a necessary evil to facilitate it. I'm a fan of it. I'm excited to see it. It doesn't, put them in the category of oh yeah you're a title contender but it 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 ups their team and was the right call in my opinion yeah absolutely on a, on a year that despite boston being three and a half ahead of everybody in the east feels relatively open in the eastern yeah. conference uh the pacers currently sit at the seven tied with the, the a few teams record-wise but currently sit at the seven seed first team in the play-in right now we'll see how that changes um, and I want to talk about this real quick, this aside. There's two teams that are really mucking things up in the Eastern Conference standings right now. The New York Knicks, who ever since the OG Ananobi trade are the number one defensive team in basketball. And hmm. the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we, we kind of predicted this, though. We thought they'd kind of just stay right where they are, despite all these injuries that they've been facing. And eventually they are going to start getting healthier. And that's, that is a problem because this is a very young, talented Cleveland team. But we've been only talking about the, the the Bostons and the Phillies and the Milwaukee's and the Miami Heats of the world, as we know them to be consistent contenders. 
The Heat, though, you know, last year finishes the eighth seed and then go on that incredible playoff run. Not necessarily something you want to bank on happening again. And the Heat, again, like the year before, didn't really do anything in the offseason, seemed to really only lose pieces in terms of core pieces. But the Heat have been playing quite solidly to start the year. Um, but some, some, something that's been really a struggle and was obviously a struggle in the playoffs last year was the point guard situation with Kyle Lowry. Lowry had been benched at some point during the year. But then with, you know, in the finals, it seemed like he was playing with better pace than Gabe Vincent, you know, some back and forth. Lowry was really struggling this year. So the Heat get in contact with the Hornets. They go ahead and trade Kyle Lowry and a lottery protected 2027 first round draft pick for Terry Rozier. Pat Riley works a little bit of that sprinkling magic yet again. Um, this is not a team that Kyle Lowry is going to be released from. This is also not a team that he's necessarily going to stay on for very long. They are going to continue making trades throughout the, uh, up until the February 8th deadline. There's reason for this is because they are so far under the in cap space. They have so much cap room that they are willing to take as much draft capital as they can and bad contracts to allow contending teams to get their pieces. They still got Gordon Hayward. They still have P.J. Washington. They still have uh, LaMelo Ball's not being traded. They still have a few a few solid pieces that some teams might want. I would not expect this team to be done making trades by any means. Um, but one of the more exciting pieces is now off the table as Terry Rozier looks ready to take over as the Miami Heat's new starting point guard uh, with a potential lineup of Terry Rozier, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, your choice of Jaime Jaquez and Caleb Martin and Bam Adebayo. Given what we know about the Eastern Conference, I'm assuming they haven't, this doesn't necessarily put the Heat above everybody else definitively, but the Heat right now sit at six, again, in that kind of mucky tie four through six area. Come playoff time, how big is, or how, how, how much are we going to see the impact of a more consistent score like Terry Rozier being in that Heat lineup? It. Pat Riley did a great job of taking Kyle Lowry's contract off the books, got younger, you got healthier, and on top of that, you got a better asset. My only problem with that lineup in general is it's just small. Like, how tall is Butler? Is he 6'5", 6'7"? Yeah, actual height, probably 6'5". I think he's listed 6'7", but yeah. Hockey is a 6'6". Six, six. I mean, Bam's your center. Okay, That's a great point because in, in the East, it's never really made a difference. But at both times they've been to the finals in the last few years, it has been an enormous difference. That's a great point. Right. It, it won't – yeah, it, you're absolutely right, especially since a lot of the East teams for the most part, it's a lot of positionless play. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you have your centers, but – they're more free flowing, like Giannis, while a five will run points and run the ball, and they do some different lineups. Um, that part worries me a little bit, and that's more of if you had Kyle Lowry swapped out for Terry Rozier, you'd still have the same issue. You can probably, if you navigate Hero to his sixth man that he always has been and then put in some sort of forward, you know, that problem gets solved a little bit. But it, it's it's a great trade. You add a guy who I think is fits the culture right. He's very good at scoring. Um, it's not a – it's a depth play. It's not something that's going to put you over the edge to win a title, but it definitely doesn't hurt. It's a, it's a positive. Yeah. So. I agree. 
Yeah, no, and where we might lose a little bit defensively, I do think we gain a whole lot more in that offensive consistency. Um, and now you have, obviously, Butler's your primary scorer. Bam's obviously your secondary scorer. And now it's not just Hero is your only other scoring option. you got a guy like Rougier who can light it up for 20, 30 points on any given night. The other thing I did want to mention back when I, when, right when I was talking about the, the taxes and, and, the, and the reason why the Hornets are going to make a lot of trades, what this did do for the Heat, it was not a huge financial trade for Miami, but it did save them a, a few million dollars in cash space. I think four about what that $4 million did was it took the Miami heat out of tier two of the tax penalties and it dropped them back down to tier one. That is another thing that a lot of teams are going to be considering come around playoff time. Cause there's a few, quite a few teams in the little bit of research that I was doing before our show that there are quite a few teams in that we are, we are just a few million or one, you know, close money wise trade that benefits us from being able to drop back under that tier two penalty uh, uh, line. And that's another reason why the Hornets are going to be such a favorite team because they're nowhere even near number one. They can take on as much money as they want right now. Do you know some of those teams that are? Because, like, the Hornets can take on a bunch of money because they're probably close to the floor. And you've got to be above the floor at least. Well, the the Uh, Clippers are certainly one. Okay, that actually – who I don't know what they could do there though. They they can't do much because all of their money is in four players. Yeah, and on top of that, you need role. You need depth. Yeah, Westbrook's the only tradable one of those contracts, and he's been great. His best years in the last two three years have been since he's gone to L.A. Yeah. Uh, the Clippers, not the Lakers. Um, <laughs> uh, I I have to do the research on Boston. I think they're close, but they're I think they're still in the tier one. The Lakers are definitely in tier two. Yeah. They might be a little past that borderline phase, though. Um, and I'm trying to remember. I, th- I think Dallas was, again, right around there just because they pay so much to their two stars. And they they were one of those where it's pretty feasible because they have a lot of guys that are on those those mid-amount of money deals. Speaking of Lakers, reports that they want a bona fide superstar. Uh, they have won a new award for me that I'd like to give out the (laughs) Miami heat award for a team (laughs) that constantly wants superstars, but does nothing about it. And this year it goes to the Los Angeles Lakers for wanting every superstar with no assets. I digress. No, no, that's a, that's an excellent point because we talk about all these ridiculous things. Pat Radley's done as a, as a GM over his, his, as an owner over his career, but the Lakers are trying to, to to turn. I know they don't have him anymore, but like Mo Bamba into Will Chamberlain. I don't. I don't know. There, there's nothing that that roster has to offer. What I have heard is that they're realizing that they can also. They're going to have to accept role players, and they're going to target all of them. Bruce Brown, Andre Drummond. Um, there are a couple other names that I'm blanking on now that that I saw were available. That the Lakers are going to have to go after because at the end of the day. Pascal was the best player on the block. Shea is not on the block anymore because the Thunder are good. So there's no one available right now, and the Suns aren't quite ready to blow it up yet. There's no one for them to even go after. And you're right, though. They got to – they, the Heat, the Knicks, they got to stop dreaming so big, I guess is probably the best way to put it. All right. So those are, those are the two major trades that have happened so far. Trade deadline is – two two and a half weeks away so we'll keep you updated on on that as as we get closer that'll get really exciting as you know the day before and the day of kick in 
okay. One of the bigger, actually no, we'll come, we'll, we'll come to the Bucks last. I want to talk about what happened yesterday in the NBA because we had some historic performances yesterday on Monday, January 22nd in the NBA. First things first, got to talk about them Philadelphia 76ers. Got to talk about our boy Joel Embiid, who was on one, and I mean on one. Joel Embiid yesterday night became just the ninth player in NBA history to record 70 or more points in a basketball game, finishing with 70 and 18 rebounds against the San Antonio Spurs. And the Spurs, not a great team, young guy, a guy like Victor Wimbanyama, not really physically ready to go up against a guy like Joel Embiid yet. And Embiid dominated. I mean, there was a lot of talk last year about, oh, Embiid kind of just got given this MVP award. Oh, he got knocked out of the playoffs again. He's nowhere near that status of Jokic. And this is the first year, I would say, that he has truly definitively looked better than Nikola Jokic. He does look like the best player in basketball right now. And that night yesterday really capped it off. He was unstoppable. I think it was 36 at the half, kept on cruising. I mean, that's almost perfectly split. That's 36 and 34 and halves. That's incredible basketball from a player. We'll talk about another guy who had a great night and it wasn't quite that evenly split. This is, to me, by far, the best version of Joel Embiid that we have ever seen. Yeah. It, it seems stupid take. because it's the natural progression of his career. But some guys you you see get to around his age and then they kind of, you know, flatline. They kind of like, all right, we got this good. That's that's about where we go. That is one of the great things about Embiid is despite everything he's gone through, he missed basically the first two years of his career. He has not gone to the third round of the NBA playoffs yet, but he has consistently gotten better every single year. He has proven that this team does not need that third superstar that we talked about with when, when Harden wanted out. Do they need a, a guy to replace him? No, they don't. Maxi stepped up, and Embiid has become the best player in basketball. And to be honest, I think the over-superstars was really what messed you up in the first place. The process was on such great natural progression until all of a sudden you were like, oh, crap, we can get Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. And then that team, had you kept that team, would have been amazing, would have won championships. But you, you lifted on Jimmy Butler. The whole Ben Simmons drama nonsense happened. Things change. Now you're bouncing back. You're back to a more natural team's progression of having one superstar and one star. That's a very normal, and, and then a bunch of really good role players. I have a really good feeling that that Clippers trade is going to turn out to be one of the best trades, uh, honestly, in probably the last decade for the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I'm a fan of it. Definitely because of how great the role players have been. Nick Batum has Nick Batum is very serviceable. Uh, they just and, and part of the reason why the trade has been so good is because Maxi has really had the chance to blossom and come into his own. And while that isn't a piece you got back from the Clippers, it's still something that has now allowed to evolve. And it is exciting. There's obviously optimism about them. Uh, I worry with health, obviously, Embiid plays a lot, does a lot of great things, but, you know, you always say it, you'll scream into a microphone how playoff time he tends to have some sort of lingering injury. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but the part that is kind of worrisome is the fact that he has eight games left before he's out of the MVP race that he misses, and that's not a lot of wiggle room. No. Um, that being said, the second Joel Embiid stops worrying about winning the MVP is the second Joel Embiid might 
might really be ready to win an NBA championship for the Philadelphia 76ers. Right. And I think, I think he is in that mindset now that he has one cares anymore. Yeah. It's going to, I think it's just going to be staying healthy and, you know, he's put a lot of miles on the car, so to speak. And I don't know. It's going to be like right now they're matching against the heat. If he plays the heat the first round, he could win that series, but you're just going to, Put a lot of dents in that car. We will hurt him in that series. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's just going to be like, you will you could win it. You're just going to get batted around. That's also, the Heat are not the team you want to play in the first round of the playoffs. Nobody wants to play I, the Heat in the first round of the playoffs. I'm fully aware. Yeah. Don't you so, worry. That being said, the Sixers are still in a good spot, and I don't. I think the Heat will end up in the 4-5 matchup, so I don't think the Sixers are going to have to worry about that. Yeah. All right, so if MV drops 70 points every night, they definitely won't have to worry about that. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, just incredible. I believe the first 70-point performance we've seen since Donovan Mitchell did it uh, last year or two years ago? Last year. Last year, yeah. So, and then before that, it was Devin Booker. Yes. All right, so we're getting, we're getting a few more of these. Nobody's reached Kobe's mark of 81, and obviously nobody's reached Wilt's mark of 100. So, but you know, that one gets the asterisk of plumbers. But either way, excellent, excellent showing for the Philadelphia 76ers, a superstar Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP. Another star quality center had a fantastic game last night on uh, Monday the 22nd. That was Carl Anthony Towns. Despite the loss to the Charlotte Hornets, which we'll get to in a moment, Carl Anthony Towns had a career high 62 points and broke an NBA an NBA record. 44 points in the first half. Now, again, th- this is technically given an asterisk because the, the asterisk is in the play-by-play era. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain and a couple other players had games with more than this, but this was this was a different time in the NBA. This is the, We'll call it the quote-unquote modern era of basketball. Carl Anthony Towns has the most points in a half, 44 points. Unbelievable individual performance for him. There's a few things that stuck out about it, though. Number one, I mentioned with Embiid, it was almost perfectly split. 36 in the first half, 34 in the second half. Carolina counts 44 points in the first half, 18 points in the second half. Not as strong of a showing. Joel Embiid had 18 rebounds in his game. Carolina Anthony had eight. That's not a dominating game. However, Joel Embiid's not playing through to go Bear as his center. So that's fair. I'll give him that. But then the loss. And not just the loss. The loss to the Charlotte Hornets, who then went on in the next day to trade their second best player. <laughs> I, I was I literally told Baker before the show I was going to come on here today and do something egregious. I was going to come in and talk here talk today to you all about how the 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 <laughs> I'm being baffled already to saying this that the the Timberwolves had worked their way into the realm of legitimacy in terms of NBA franchise. That is stricken off the record. That is no longer something that I'm going to tell because they had a historic day from from somebody who's needed a historic day and had an overall fairly good season. And they lost to a bad team, a really bad team. They can be the one or two seed all they want. This is not a team that's going to beat Denver. This is not a team that's going to be, I, I, I don't know, outside of Denver, the West feels a little weird to me. So I don't I know. I think, I think we could beat Dallas. I think we could beat a few other teams. But this is not a team that's going to the NBA Finals. And I don't know if that's necessarily something they're going to be able to amend during the year because – Kind of like a few of these other teams, what can you really do? You're not going to trade your three stars. Their roster is playing well, but it's 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 trade value isn't 
crazy or anything. Mm-hmm. Either way, I, I just had, you know, have to give him a shout out. He had a very good individual performance, but T-Will's got to win that game. Got to win that game. The Jimmy Butler curse lives on. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I am just beaming from ear to ear about this last NBA story here. The Milwaukee Bucks are in some form of chaos mode as they sit as the three seed, excuse me, the two seed in the Eastern Conference standings right now, three and a half games behind the Boston Celtics. And for the, 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 you know, in moderation fan that I've been so far this year, seemingly randomly just fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin today. Griffin was brought in first year head coach, uh, assistant with the Raptors last year. You mentioned something interesting, though, how that when they lost to the Pacers in the conference, excuse me, in the in-season tournament, there is some maybe breakdown in the locker room a little bit of like that he said, we need to work, you know, play through our role players and and our other players when our stars are off, when our stars aren't having bad games. And that the locker room basically was like, what the heck is this? This what? No. Which I honestly agree with A.J. Griffin in that regard. But regardless, that seems to be the start of him losing this Bucks locker room and to the point where they no longer feel like it's something that can really work and they're moving on. Um, and and like a like a high school ex-girlfriend situation, guess whose name popped up and as their top candidate for head coach to officially move me to four and four from my offseason predictions, their leading candidate to be a head coach is Mr. Doc Rivers. Well, officially, officially, he has been hired as of like a minute ago. There you go. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Doc Rivers, sure. new new head coach of the Bucks. He probably won't coach their next game. Might even take two games. They had, I think, one of their assistants got named, you know, interim coach. But wow, crazy. Cool. Doesn't help them. And now there's a huge vacancy announcing the NBA Finals this year. You and I should, you know, interview. Yeah. I, real quick, like. I do get this vibe, though, that the Bucks team has so much talent on it. And don't get me wrong, it's having a good coach is very important, especially to win a finals. But at the same time, a lot of this is talent-driven. And I think they're kind of going for the play that, like, LeBron had with Tyre Lue. It's like, okay, yeah. you are a figurehead. This is kind of going to be Giannis's team. You'll make adjustments as you see fit. Will he though? No, he won't. No, no, make no <laughs> mistake. Doc Rivers is going to go off the rails again and they're, or, or this can happen. They're going to be losing. They're like, doc, help us. And he goes, mm. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. We, we talked before about the show. I was like, I would have, I would have resigned Budenholzer at this point. And, Cause Giannis loved Budenholzer. Um, they, they clearly, they went, Right after that Griffin got fired, they made it clear that they were that they had a few options, but Doc Rivers was their number one choice to be their new head coach. So I'm assuming Dame and Giannis got behind him pretty quickly. This is one of those situations where it is make or break for the Milwaukee Bucks because you are you are at the verge of wasting Giannis Antetokounmpo's legend, potentially legendary career. I went out on Twitter X, whatever the heck it's called these days, and I have blatantly stated that it is going to, if that Giannis Antetokounmpo is not going to go down in history as a, tw- a top 25 player, he's not going to, and it is going to be the entirety to blame on the Milwaukee Bucks because they can't figure it out. Ownership, coaching, personnel, 
roster construction. They can't do it. They have a pretty good team going on. I don't know what went wrong in the locker room. I really don't. But it's just a mess. There's always something going wrong with Milwaukee. And then you have to, you know, consider the fact that Dame has always had his inconsistent games. Giannis has never really, other than that one odd year, been able to punch through in the playoffs and really take his team over the hump. He hasn't, again, not been back to the conference finals since the year they went, they won the championship. This was a huge year. They went out, they snuck Damian Willard away from, the, uh, from uh, you know, rival, rivals Miami Heat in a huge move. They've played very good basketball this year. It's such an interesting move. And I actually think they took a step backwards here. I think in the grand scheme of things, yeah, but... Griffin is kind of the same way where he's a figurehead. So this is going to come down to will Doc Rivers blow it more than Griffin was going to help? Is he going to be a negative? And I think I would lean toward yes, but time will tell. That'll be they're on the hot seat again. They're the microscopes on the books yet again. Um, Something interesting that Jamal Crawford said on NBA today was was that. It's odd to hire a first-year coach and then not with, with the understanding that this team was always going to be judged on how they do in the playoffs, like the Sixers, and to not even give that coach a chance to prove himself in the playoffs is a little odd. It does happen. This is, this is a business. It's not a family, so it does happen. But it, it is a little odd to see the, a team like the Bucks give up on a coach that quickly, especially like who the hell? I mean, kids. Who the hell cares about the end season tournament? That literally means nothing. Like, why are you mad at your coach for not winning that? Who cares? You didn't have to fly out to Vegas for no reason. Come on. But I'm not those players. I'm not the ones that have to work with that coach every single day. So we'll see how this benefits them or or hurts them. To me, though, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sixers take over that two seed pretty soon. All righty. Uh, the only other thing that I had was that the Paris Olympic player pool was dropped. Paris Olympics coming up. LeBron James has, you know, considered the idea of playing again and making one more run at a gold medal. Huge pool of players. A lot of the guys that played on this last FIBA team, uh, a lot of the superstars in the NBA, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Anthony Edwards, a lot of great marquee players. If these guys want to play, this could be a very exciting team. My boy Duncan Robinson made the cut for the player pool. I hope he sneaks in as the three-point specialist. Four Miami Heat players, Hero, Butler, Adebayo, Robinson. Pretty happy with that. Um, So it'll be exciting to see what that roster ends up looking like for this summer. Uh, As always, USA basketball is a very exciting thing to watch. All right, we got, eh, we're, we're a little early today, so we with our normal two-hour mark. So we are going to finish the show here with a, with a game, and as always, I'm just going to let you take it away. All right, we'll do two rounds of this because I enjoy it. Uh, this game, we're going to call it Blind Rankings. So essentially, I'm going to go in order. I have five players in this case, and what I'm going to do is I'll give you the topic ahead of time, and then I will give you players one by one. You will have a list one through five to rank them. Uh, one being like your most likely, five being least likely in this case. And then from there, we'll see what the list is like and we'll get a good laugh out of it. Can I ask one question before we start? Absolutely. Are these all current players or are these all throughout history? 
I'm so glad you asked. We're going to do current players, and then we're going to do past players. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, exciting. So here's your category. You ready? Mm-hmm. NBA players, the most likely ones that you could beat in a street fight. Yes. <laughs> You ready? Okay, I'm I'm a scrappy guy, so I think I could take a couple of these little, you know, I broke a fingernail players. All right, so if you think you could beat them, you'd rank this person at one, for example, or like and, higher up in the list. And if I think they'd one shot me, they're five. Yes, absolutely. So cool. choose Andre wisely. Cool. five. Oh no, kidding. <laughs> All right. First person, the brother of the Greek freak, Thanasis Antetokounmpo. How <laughs> do you rank him? Okay, this is very good that this has nothing to do with basketball skill. Um, Because this dude, despite that he is not nicknamed the Greek Freak, is still a physical freak. He would kick my S-H-I-T in. I'll put him at number two. Number two. Thanasis is a scary dude. He's a big guy. So, But you think you could take him? Oh, sorry, sorry, no, excuse me. I'll put him at number four. My apologies. Thank you. This man didn't listen to my exposition this entire time. I'm so excited. I spent all five minutes preparing this, and you just blew it away. All right, I we got, fixed it. We got number four for Thanasis. All right. Second player. The Latvian lad himself, the Greek, not the Greek freak, Tingus Pingus Kristaps Porzingis. Where do you put him? Seven feet three, all of them. Okay, I want to I wanna start this little story here. So... I, in high school, after I used to play for the JCC my freshman and sophomore year of high school. Then I switched sides, big free agent move, switched sides to the old Schnecksville team, Baker's old team. Of course, he decided not to play that year. Um, play the next year. But I decided to play on the Schnecksville team. So the first day, I walk into practice, I'm sizing up the competition. You know, I think I'm real good. I think I'm hot stuff. I'm like, all right, who's better than me? Who am I going to go go after today in practice? There's this huge kid. I believe you remember, Folly Duca. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge kid. Not in very good shape, but huge. Um, very nice guy. And I, I remember just looking at this guy and I was like, ah, there's no way he's that coordinated. And I remember on the very first day of practice at the very end, maybe last 15 minutes, coach let us scrimmage and he goes, okay, who wants to take folly in the jump ball? Sorry. Yeah. Sarcastically. This dude is like, he's taller than my friend over here, Baker, who's like six. What are you? Six, two. I'm six, I'm six, two. He's probably like six, seven. Yeah. And this is, again, he's a senior in high school at this point. I go very confidently in to say I'm going to play him in the jump ball. I'm going to beat him in the jump ball. And mind you, that was probably the biggest hard over hype moment of my life because I beat him in that jump ball. I see him and Kristaps Porzingis as very similar people. I truthfully mean it this time. Kristaps Porzingis at number two. All right. I think I could sneak under his legs and he wouldn't even notice me. Okay. Third player. He's got... My favorite song named after him. It's South Beach Boy Tyler Hero. Where are you putting him? Can you beat Tyler Hero in a fight? So, so can I, if I can beat them, they're number one. So this is this is number one. I I am so confident I beat the crap out of Tyler Hero. And I know a lot of people probably think that because I know a lot of people probably want to beat the crap out of Tyler Hero. All right. Fourth player. Your hometown hero himself, Devin Booker. Ooh, that feels like, see, this is going to be tough because I don't know who this last person is. It feels like it should be number three. He feels like a nice, good, even 
but that means this last curse is gonna be like Muggsy Bogues or something. <laughs> so out. I will, I will, I will hold true. I'll put Devin Booker at three. The last player is probably one of my favorite current players. It's the Claw Kawhi Leonard. So you put him I, at five. Yes, Kawhi. I, his I, hands <laughs> could grab my face and pick it off my head. I wanted to put Boban here because I was reading comments online. It's like, if I had to fight Boban, he'd probably just grab my head and squeeze it. He'd, he'd do the thing from Hulk from Avengers. We'd grab Loki's head and he'd just smash him around. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. I do think you can make an argument for Thanasis being five only because he'd probably bring his brothers and being <laughs> four on Sukupos. I'm, I'm glad you didn't do like Nikola, Yer- uh, excuse me, Joseph Nurkic or something. I'm, I scared he would pummel me. <laughs> oh, you, any of the Serbian players, like, I'm convinced, like, you could hit them. They'd let you hit them first, and then they'd pummel you. Jokic's brothers are scarier than Jokic. That's true, but I wouldn't want to face Jokic in a street fight. Absolutely not. So, that was, that was fun. I like that. So, I believe it went, what was it? Tyler Hero. Uh, Porzingis. Christoph Porzingis. Devin Booker. Kumpo, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about that. I, you know, you could make an argument for switching Booker and Porzingis, but I can't not see Kristaps Porzingis as a literal unicorn. And who, what man doesn't think they could beat up a unicorn? All right, I like it. All right, this next one, we're not gonna do fights as much as I wanted to do it. It'd be kind of I would take all bad blood pistons for it. <laughs> we're gonna do former NBA players. That you would want doing your taxes. God. Okay. Okay. See what you can do here. So again, again, one is I want them doing my taxes. Five is I last thing yeah. on earth. You, you, okay. yeah. One's like they're gonna help me. It's gonna be successful. Five is I'll do my taxes myself sure. alone. Sure. Bugsy Bogues. Oh, there he is. Muggsy Bogues. Oh, I feel like I should have you know looked up where every NBA player went to college. Um, see, Muggsy was in Space Jam, and there's a whole bit about Space Jam about how these guys are all bums if they can't play basketball. <laughs> so I'm a little worried about that, but I'm also really worried because like, former NBA players, there's so many names that come to my mind that I'm so scared of. He went to Wake Forest. That's like. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what? <laughs> in that case, that whole thing in Space Jam was probably some crap. I will, given Wake Forest, my sister went to Wake Forest. She's a doctor now. I will put Muggsy Bogues at number one. All right. What a fool. What a fool. <laughs> All right. Second NBA player. The he is the NBA equivalent of Chad Johnson. Just because he's emotional, he's scrappy, he has heart, and he changes his name quite a lot. It's Ron Artest, or what was formerly known as Ron Artest, a.k.a. Metal World Peace, a.k.a. whatever the hell his name is now. What a great way. He was Panda Friend for a brief time. Panda Friend, that's yep. what it was, yeah. That's a good one. Um, Wow, yeah, excellent choice here. This is scary, because if you brought him up second, who's left? I, and I'm so worried about Dennis Rodman being on this list. So, so I will put him at four okay. with, the sa- with a little bit of safety. All right. All right. Third one. Everyone throw up your O. It's the big O. <laughs> Oscar Robertson. Big O. Oscar Robertson. Okay. Um, Great NBA player. 
what I do know about his public statements post NBA career is that he's not a very intelligent human being. Um, I'll go. Th- wait, I'll go wait, wait, wait. What has he said? And he, he, it's not that he's like a anything like political or anything like that. He, he's just a very, he's an old head. He, he very much believes that he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. That the old school version of basketball when he was playing is the superior version of basketball, and I just don't like that. I'm reading his personal life, and he's like, yeah, I really endorse Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that's why you hate him. Oh gotta- no, I, I'm fine with Giannis at this point. Um. I'll, I have my opinion on him, and no one else does, and it's fine. Um, Big O, I'll, I'll say he's three. Okay, three. I feel like there's dumber people in him. Fair. Number two, the man to popularize Rex Specs, in my opinion, George Mikan. Remember George him? George Mikan! Probably not, because we weren't alive, nor were our parents. No, but there's a there's an excellent basketball drill named after him, the Mikan drill. It's a very important drill for you know you know developing basketball players to learn how to properly handle layups and rebounding. I, all of this stuff I'm spewing is things I've heard. None of this is firsthand knowledge. From every th- all aspects that I've understand that George Mikan was always a relatively intelligent guy. I will go ahead and comfortably put George Mikan at number two with all fear of who's coming last. <laughs> You're just saying that because he has glasses. Of, of course. What didn't everybody in third grade have the conversation with their teacher of don't I might aren't I supposed to get class, glasses because that makes you smarter? Didn't everybody have that conversation? <laughs> I did. I definitely purposely tried to fail some vision tests to just get glasses at some point because I was that kid, of course. So who do we got at five? But terrified. It's gonna be like the like Jeremy Lin or someone intelligent, someone so smart. No, I got someone better. Oh no. The Definition of a grinder, just a hard worker, intelligent basketball player, Ben Wallace. Wow. He's number five for you. He has to be number five. See, here's the thing. Ben Wallace would most certainly either be number five or number one. He's definitely nothing in between. He's either like... (laughs) He's either like an absolute tax genius and knows all the little nuances into getting me the most amount of my money that I can get. Or he's going to pack a bowl, light it up, and say, y'all, it's just chill, man. He'll get you your money, but he'll, like, actually fight the government. Like, I'm not yeah. talking, like, send him letters. Like, go it, into a government building and fight someone. You, you know the phrase, you can't fight City Hall? Yeah. He will fight City <laughs> he will, Hall. He will fight them. He is one of the bottom feeders. for. He is number five for who I want to fight in the NBA. <laughs> the- <laughs> All, All right. right. That's a fun game. Yeah, let us know if you have any other ideas. I can I love to torture Rob you with mental games like this. <laughs> but yeah, so what we learned today was Robbie wants to fight Tyler Hero, does not want Ben Wallace to do his taxes for some reason. And Doc Rivers is inevitable. Doc Rivers is Thanos. He is inevitable. Lot action packed show today, lots going on in the sports world. Even more coming as as it's been a very quiet MLB offseason, but uh, it's seemingly like seeming like things are going to start ramping up pretty soon there as well. If you're into that, we'll keep you updated on how the NFL playoffs go and how the kicking off slowly towards the back half of the NBA season all star game in a month ish. Uh, so very exciting time for both those sports. We'll keep you updated on everything until then. Enjoy the championship games for football. Enjoy the rest of your week. 
We love having you come listen to us. We're so grateful for you guys. Hope life's going well for you guys as well. Have a great night. Take care, everyone.